and welcome to episode number 151 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, Brad Allen. We run through all of the big games, all of the weekly matchups here in the NFL. We are down to four games in the NFL season, guys. Where did the season go? I am already starting to feel a little bit of pre-depression for whenever the NFL has left us. I know it's a long season, and we think, you know, when it's all said and done, we kind of need the break, but I tell you, it hits me every mid-March, and I start to get uh, start to get lonely, Brett. And I uh, see you kind of shaking your head a little bit. And it's like, man, it's been a long season. I can't wait for this to be over, the Super Bowl and all that. And then, you know, first week of March hits, and I'm like, where the hell's football? Where where football go? I know it's a, it's a little different for me this year because my team is still in it, which is just such a rare <laughs> thing. So I, I I I it's it's yeah, like I, I'm with you. Like it is. A little upsetting that we're getting close to the end here, but at the same time, a lot of excitement on my end with Buffalo still alive here and a, a shot at a Super Bowl. Is that is that a real thing? It's crazy. Hey, we have uh, I guess we do have FCS football that is starting in the spring, you know, so we will we will have FCS football to bet on, I suppose, sure. <laughs> whenever we go. Uh, Brad, it was a pretty good week for us last week outside of one game. Unfortunately, that one game, uh, we were we were all pretty confident into how the outcome of that game was going to be. Of course, the Steelers go out, get down 28 to nothing before we could even blink an eye. So there was no real chance of them uh, winning that game outright. Uh, my biggest takeaway was it looks like, and we, we've actually talked about this on the podcast really all year. My biggest takeaway was Ben Roethlisberger is just completely washed. I mean, the guy starts the game off with a snap over his head. He runs back and actually makes it to the ball. And instead of falling on it or kicking it through the back of the end zone, by the way, he's played in the league 17 years. You think he understands how to like deal with a fumble that's sitting on your own one yard line. Instead, he just turns and he just looks at James Conner as if to say like, you know what? You handle this, bud. I'm not really going to be doing this, you know? And like from that moment on, of course, everything, the floodgates opened and, and it went downhill from there. But uh, boy, the, uh, the Steelers really did disappoint. Yeah, I think there was one way the Browns could win that football game, and that was just playing with a big lead and, and not forcing Baker to drop back. And that's just exactly what happened. And you know, it reminded me of the Seahawks Broncos Super Bowl, where I think it was Peyton Manning. They snapped the ball over his head, probably the first snap, and they just looked shell shocked for that, for that game. I think they lost forty two thirteen or something like that, or forty two seven, forty one seven. Anyway, um, and it, it kind of reminded me of that. That just the whole team was just like what the hell's going on and it, they're kind of shocked for an entire half and obviously second half they they did get it going and kind of showed I think what we thought that the Browns were vulnerable in the secondary and could be passed on uh, but by then it's too late Browns playing with Lee playing running downhill play action and uh, yeah it was just there was one way to win the game and that's just what happened yeah, it was uh, it was outside of that. A lot of the games went as we thought. A lot of the, the games ended up the way that we thought. But that one certainly did not went a different way. And uh, here we have the Browns advancing. We'll talk about that in just a second. We can kick things off. Two games on Saturday. First, let's hit the Rams and the Packers. Guys, this is sitting as a six and a half point favorite. In favor of the Packers, a total of 45 and a half. And this is the rare scenario where we are in agreement basically across the board. DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, MGM, all 45 and a half, all six and a half right now. This thing did open at seven and went to six and a half. And, and Brad, I'll start with you on this one. I put a seven in my account because I thought that this thing would go over the touchdown, not under the touchdown. And it was very shocking to me that it moved and moved so early because we did not have any sort of uh, definitive news on Aaron Donald at the time. We didn't know what was going on with the quarterback situation with the Rams. We didn't know the Cooper Cup or the Cam Akers situation, anything like that. And this thing moved to half a point in favor of the Rams. And so um, did you make anything of that? Did you think that maybe the line just opened too large? Or, you know, why did this thing, why did this thing instantly move when there were still so many question marks around this Rams team? Um, I think if you modeling this game off the of the season numbers, you probably get around six, six and a half is, is what I've seen from, you know, quite, quite sharp people. Um, but as you said, I, I wouldn't be surprised to go to see it go back up, perhaps. Um, I would say on the Aaron Donald stuff, it sounds like he's going to play and he will be fine. Mm. Business as usual for him. Um, the Jared Goff stuff, obviously, we know he's going to start. I think that was confirmed yesterday. 
and I would say that's that's a negative. You know, we, we discussed this last week. Mm. Um, he came in and was awful in relief. He still has that broken thumb, and now he's going in this this cold weather. So. I think if you're just modelling it out, probably six and a half is probably a fair number. But I think when you start to get into the more, you know, the softer bit parts of the matchup, like Goff in the, you know, in 18 degree weather um, with a broken thumb, trying to throw in that, then I think you start to, I think you start to get more, more towards the Packers. And I wouldn't be surprised to see it tick back up. Um, just a quick number, Goff in, in games below 40 degrees. Um, he's minus 0.17 uh, EPA per drop back on about 200 snaps. Um, and then just or in a dome, he's plus 0.8. So it's, it's a fairly steep drop off. Um, whereas Rogers is, is just as good as he is everywhere else in his career. Um, so yes, he's a, he's a real so so cal kid, isn't he? I think he went to high school in Southern California, went to college in California, now plays pro football in California. Goff. So uh, I think I think the cold is is the, probably the biggest factor in the game for me for him. And, and and Brett, this is you know you live in a in a very you know cold weather spot, and you know how brutal it can get whenever it gets bad. And of course, we know Green Bay being the ultimate kind of cold weather spot in the NFL. We talked about home field advantage, and actually, it's been it's been proven. I, mean, I saw a, a chart yesterday. Home field advantage meant absolutely nothing this year in the NFL. Like literally, meant nothing. Not a single point. Not even a single half a point. Um, but I think we could all agree, as Brad just said, if there were to be a home field advantage that was left in the playoffs, it would probably be Green Bay in the bitter, bitter cold in this scenario where they have a dome team coming up there. We have a California kid at quarterback coming up there, a warm weather team coming up there. It's so it's it's while there won't be, you know, whatever, I think they allow a few thousand fans or something. So it's not going to be fans that are giving you the home field advantage. But I do believe and I am, you know, maybe I'm just a sucker here, but I actually do believe that the one home field advantage left in this thing is the fact that, you're, you know, you're playing within Green Bay against a against a dome warm weather team and especially a dome warm weather quarterback yeah i think you're right and i'm with you here i don't think it's being baked in the line enough i think the the lack of home field across the entire season is certainly being factored into this more than it should i, I think there is a not significant edge here for for green bay mm-hmm. playing at home but i think the weather does play a factor because golf has shown as, as brad already laid out he's not performed well in these environments and you know now he's got the, the thumb issue and this offense just is really just kind of dragging right now with him. And you got to play catch up with, with Aaron Rodgers, and it, I think it puts him in a bad spot. I think this should, I think if you want to bet Green Bay, do it now before it gets back to seven. I don't see any way this doesn't get back to seven again. Brad, so obviously one of the, you know, the biggest matchups here in this game is going to be the Jalen Ramsey, Devontae Adams battle. If you take a look here, uh, the Packers have done a really good job of moving Devontae Adams around and try to create confusion, confusion, mismatches. He ran 30% of his routes, actually, so nearly a third of his routes out of the slot this past, past season. But Jalen Ramsey is one of the few cornerbacks that does travel. So Jalen Ramsey, if you look into his statistics this year, actually covered about 16% of the snaps out of the slot this year because that was when he was in shadow coverage and when uh, those receivers were moving into the slot as well. And so we've got a, an offense that, want, that that understands the importance of moving Adams around, trying to mess with the defenses, not giving them the same look all the time. But then you also have a shadow corner that will, like a lot of these shadow guys, whenever we hear the shadow coverage stuff, people don't really realize that the, the shadow corners don't travel into the slot, right? Like these, these guys stay on the outside and when these receivers go into the slot, they're still getting covered by somebody else. Ramsey is a dude that does travel. So we're going to see a true, you know, matchup battle here between Adams and Ramsey. Now, my personal opinion, I'm I'm really interested to see what you think in this is, you know, as good as Ramsey is, and he is definitely good. We watched him shut down DK Metcalf multiple times this year in shadow coverage. We've seen him shut down a couple of other receivers this year in shadow coverage. Devonta Adams to me is just a different animal, and that in that um, in that connection that him and Rogers have is just a different animal. I mean, we see it whenever we watch these Packers games and these replays time and time again, right? Like 
Rodgers has the ball in the air before Devontae Adams has even thought about coming out of his break. And then the ball is just like sitting right there the second the dude turns around. I think Ramsey in this matchup, I don't think he's going to get necessarily torched, but I don't think you can look at this and say like, oh, well, Jalen Ramsey's going to be on Devontae Adams. So that's, you know, this, that's going to take him out of the game or anything like I think you're going to see a pretty typical Devontae Adams performance here. Yes, I I do wonder if the matchup might be kind of overstated to an extent. So Doug Farrar over at um, USA Today and for the win, he he did a great job breaking this down this week. And his his belief is that Adams the route the routes he runs kind of these a lot of hitches, a lot of quick out routes that they are what give Ramsey problems um you know Ramsey's good because he's such a he's a big strong athlete great tackler he's good against other Mm -hmm. big strong athletes like um like DK Metcalf last few weeks um he's probably less good against these kind of precise crisp route runners you know with these little jab steps to send him the wrong way um so he reckons that if if he knows that and we know that Brandon Staley is going to know that and he is going to leave Ramsey maybe in zone I think the Rams they play zone more than anyone else in the league and they play man less than anyone else in the league. So they either just leave Ramsey on his side of the field or they put maybe they put Ramsey on Tonyan. They put him on tight ends a few times this year, just erase him from the game plan. And then you put Darius Williams, kind of the smaller, more quick twitch corner. You put him on Adams and give him give him safety help. Um, because basically the only way to defend Adams this year has been a safety over the top um, and play a lot of cover two and then just give help. Um, so I suspect that's probably what we'll see. We'll see a lot of cover two and just don't get beat deep, double Adams. And if they want to march up and down the field with 12 play drives, they can, but we, we can't let them beat us quickly. Um, so I, I think that also kind of plays into the under a bit. Um, and just one more thing on that. The other thing um, Mr. Farrar was talking about, very good analyst of anyone wants to go read his stuff, is I guess the, the two worst games that Green Bay has played this year so the Bucks and the Panthers. Um, obviously, I think they scored twenty against the Panthers at home, which you wouldn't expect, and then they got blown out by the Bucks. Um, what a lot, a lot of what they were doing is just disguising a who was coming and b who was dropping into what zone, um, and that's something the Rams do quite well. They're happy to drop into zones and like pass off pass off routes to different coverages. Um, so I think, as I say, they're just going to drop a lot of men. Trust Donald to do his damage against. A Packers line missing their best left tackle who might not have the communication they normally have um, and just let that front foot try and win and then just play coverage behind it. So I think it, it might be a, a bit of a lower score in, in that sense. Brett, we're looking at the number one offense DBOA, the number one offense pro football focus against the number four defense DBOA, the number one offense pro football focus. There's no weakness here for the Rams whenever you really try to dig in. They are, you know, number four against the pass DBOA, number one against the pass according to pro football focus, number three against the run, number four against the run. Uh, They get, you know, they get sacks, they get pressure, they get the whole nine yards here. So we're not really finding a weakness on that side of the ball. So it really does come down to, you know, I know one of the big matchups outside of the Devontae Adams, Jalen Ramsey would just be the overall can Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers only faced pressure on 17% of his dropbacks this year. That was the third lowest rate in the league, which allowed him to throw as many deep balls as he did. You know, he threw 14% of his passes were, were 20 plus yards down the field. Second highest rate in the league, by the way, second to Tom Brady. Again, we go like, like we don't think Tom Brady is this bombing out offense or whatever, but it was, he was through the most yard through the most passes of 20 plus yards at the highest rate down the league, but uh, 12 touchdowns, no interceptions on those deep balls for Aaron Rodgers this year. But the Rams defense was fourth in the league against these 20 plus yards passes down the field. You know, I'm sure Jalen Ramsey has a lot to do with that as well. And of course the, the pressure that they, that they put on a guy that, maybe doesn't give him that extra half a second he needs to really put the ball accurately down the field in these situations. So, you know, when you break this down, what do you think this Rams defense, you know, what do you think this Rams defense is going to have to do for this to be a game where we're talking about, you know, the Rams being in the mix here? Like, do you think that they have what it takes or do you think at the end of the day, this is an offensive league and as good as defenses are really elite offenses tend to win? Yeah, I don't know that they do have enough of what it takes mm-hmm. to beat Rodgers here. I mean, if you, if you if you look at what this defense has faced over the season, yeah, the metrics all look great. Uh, great, great note here from Adam Chernoff. If you look at these the quarterbacks the Rams have faced this year, 
Wentz, Kyle Allen, uh, Nick Foles, Mullins, Streveler. None of those quarterbacks are still the starter uh, of, of the team or, or finished the year as a starter of the team. They faced a lot of backup quarterbacks this year, which uh, helped them out a lot in some of these metrics and, and won them a lot of football games. And mm-hmm. by the way, they had a healthy Aaron Donald for all those games. And, uh, you know, Donald is trending toward playing this week, but he's not going into this game fully healthy. That's going to matter because they do struggle to get pressure to begin with. And you have to do that against Aaron Rodgers. I think the only thing that slows Green Bay down here is, is their pass, pass catchers. Uh, you know, if the Rams do bracket Devontae Adams and, and force these other guys to beat them, which they yeah. surely are going to try to do, um, you know, will the MVSs and the Allen Lazards and the, the Tanyans be able to make plays? If they can't, mm-hmm. then the Rams are going to be in this football game. Um, yeah, but, but I just... It's hard for me to to back the Rams and Jared Goff here. I just can't trust him to to do enough on the road in these freezing cold conditions. And you know, these are the spots we love to fade Jared Goff. And I think anything short of seven here, uh, I think you have to back Green Bay. Yeah, this was, um, you know, that was my thinking. I thought this was going to get on the other side of seven. I put a seven in my account. Obviously, I have the worst of it right now. Um, but I don't feel terrible about it you know I mean uh, obviously I'd love to have the six and a half and maybe I'll add a little bit here when it's all said and done but uh, I I like the uh, I I like the Packers a lot in this situation I like the Packers in a teaser if you're a teaser player as well uh, I see very few paths to just outright victory for this Rams team so just getting it to where the Packers only have to basically win because you're taking a six and a half down to a half a point is um, a, a pretty good scenario as well for me. Um, Brad, uh, final thoughts on this one. Like I said, I've, I've got a seven in the account. Wish it would have been a six and a half, but uh, I just read the, the, the market wrong here. I don't have a play on the total, but I do. I, I, I am in your camp that if I were to play, the total, I would probably be leaning towards the under. Um, you have to assume at least maybe a first half under because the Rams are certainly going to try to run the ball in the first half. Maybe they have to abandon that in the second half because of the way that things, you know, the game plays out. Maybe it gets out of control or something, but you have to assume they're going to to not let Jared Goff get them in a situation where they're where the game is lost in the first, you know, in the first half. Yes, my concern with the first half under, so the Packers have got the best script in the NFL and then the Rams are right up there as well. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd probably prefer the full game just because I really don't see Goff moving it whatsoever. Um, as you say, they probably will be able to run the ball. The Packers probably like you to run the ball in general. They play the most dime in the league. They play a lot of nickel as well. So, you know, Akers is going to get 25 touches and they're going to have success. Um, so yeah, as I say, I, I did bet the seven, but the more I look at it, the more I feel I probably prefer the under forty-five and a half. Um, just because I think you look, you look at who the Packers have played this year. There's not many good pass rushes in here, and when Rogers has faced a good pass rush and he has had to hold on to the ball and then feel that pressure, he, he's not been quite the same quarterback. And and as, I think with that offensive line injury and the, uh, left tackle, I think he will feel Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd in his face. And I think we see more kind of the 20 points they put up against the Panthers than the, you know, the, the 40 they put up against everyone else this year. Uh, so yeah, I, I, my favorite play is the under 45 and a half. Uh, Brett, as we, uh, as we put a bow on this thing, yeah, that's where me and Brad stand. What are you, uh, what are you thinking here on the side? And do you have any thoughts on the total? Definitely on Green Bay. I'm going to get that one in my account today as long as I can still get the the six and a half. Um, I don't really have a lean on the on the total. I guess, you know, the case for the over is is Green Bay scripting its way out to an early lead and then just kind of sitting back in prevent prevent in the second half. We've seen that from them uh, a few times this year. Um, I, I I do I do expect Green Bay to win this game by more than a touchdown. So I do think that could happen more often than not. So I guess that's that's the case for the over here. Yeah, and uh, we should mention Cooper Cup is questionable for this game. If if for whatever reason it comes time, if it comes game time, and, and Cooper Cup is is not able to go, I'm even more in love with a uh, Packers bet there. Cooper Cup, the kind of safe safety blanket, security guy, chain mover for Jared Goff, the guy that goes and finds the sticks and helps them get you know first downs and stuff like that. He's not able to go. Uh, that would be. Uh, 
that would be a very big a very big boost for me on the other side of all of this. So uh, that's what I'm thinking right now. I don't have any props in this one. That being said, I do have a lean towards uh, do have an, a lean towards overs on Devonte Adams. I think it is artificially uh, suppressed here because of that matchup that he's going to get, but it's sitting at 75 and a half yards. And um, I think he gets 85, 90 yards, eight times out of 10 in, in this contest, just based on volume alone. And even if they do, you know, like even if they do, like we said, play zone or something like that against these teams, he's, he's a savvy enough, good enough receiver. He'll go find holes in the zones. And, and like I said, Aaron Rodgers and him have no problem connecting on things. So if anything, I do have a lean towards the over, on uh, on receiving yards for Devontae Adams at 75 and a half. All right, let's talk about the second game here on Saturday. It is the Ravens and the Buffalo Bills. This has moved in favor of the Bills. It moved against the Bills, and then it moved in favor of the Bills. This thing opened at three, got down to two and a half, got down to two in some spots, back up to two and a half yesterday. And as we sit here right now, Brett, this thing has moved back up to three at DraftKings. It's moved back up to three at MGM. You can still find two and a half at FanDuel and points bet if you you are looking to find the two and a half um, on the Bills. If you're looking for the full three on the Ravens, you're going to want to head over to DraftKings or to Bet MGM. We got a total of 49, 49 and a half. This thing is ticked down from 50 and a half. So again, I think the weather report has come out, which has maybe had this thing ticked down just a little bit. First and foremost, you're there, you're in the city. What is the latest on, you know, what does the weather look like right now? What is the weather supposed to look like whenever we come Sunday? Uh, generally, you try not to guess these things because you just don't know what it's going to look like come Sunday. I mean, we're, we're still we're here on Friday and I yeah, I, I don't really know. I mean, we're looking at possible gusts up to like 30 miles per hour, which is going to impact this game, obviously, uh, for the Bills who love to throw the ball downfield. Uh, Josh Allen is a guy you want to have in those conditions because he can pierce through the wind with that arm, but at the same time, it's it's going to impact uh, how both teams operate. So that's something to keep an eye on as we get closer to kickoff on Saturday night is what this weather is going to be. But yeah, right now I'm I'm not I'm not sure what it's going to be. Yeah, if we're looking at a couple of these guys that do this, they're trying to say you know temp, temperatures around freezing, chance of snow, um, winds about 15 to 20 miles an hour with gusts around 30. So um, listen. If there was ever a game where this doesn't where, you know, and Brad, maybe I'm off here. You let me know if you're if you're factoring the weather into this game. But if there was ever a game where I'm not really too incredibly worried about the weather, it would be this one in one, a dude with a rifle rocket for an arm in Jared and Josh Allen, and then a team in the Ravens that doesn't throw the ball anyway. So it's like you got one team that doesn't throw the ball and one team with a guy with the strongest arm in the league to where I'm kind of like, okay, you know, unless this thing gets egregiously out of hand. I mean, I know we do start to watch the wind when it gets to 15, 20 miles an hour consistently, which is what, you know, at least the early forecast is saying. But again, if there was ever a game where that might be less impactful, I, I don't know. If, I don't know. This seems like that might be that game. Yeah. So Lamar was talking this week. You know, I think he was saying he hopes it doesn't snow. He doesn't want to play in the snow. He's, he's never thrown the ball in in that kind of cold weather. I think he's a, a Florida kid. Um, but his numbers don't actually back that up. Again, going back to that um, kind of EPA per play in in temperatures below mm. forty, he's he's just as good. Um, in, in those in those conditions and um, Josh Allen as you say he's got a cannon to throw it through anything you you would say perhaps that the Bills are better passing the ball and they're bad at stopping the run so if, if, if it was bad enough that it did force both teams to the ground you, you've got to say that, that'll favour the Ravens um, mm. but as it stands it looks like it should be you know it's, it's just on the on the edge of fine I think is, is what we'd say at the minute all right, Brett. So we're looking at two and a half or three. Um, and like we said, the total has ticked down a little bit, 49, 49 and a half. So, you know, I think that the the two big questions in this game are one, how often are the Bills going to be able to take advantage of those corners for the Ravens? Now, they're good, but they're risk takers. They're yeah. dudes that are that are super aggressive. And, you know, you look no further than Marcus Peters, right? Like he's got 
he he has four picks this year on balls of, of 10 plus yards down the field, but he also has given up five touchdowns on passes of 10 plus yards down the field as well as his aggressiveness, the way that he plays. He's he's like, yeah, I'll go for the pick. But if you don't get the pick, sometimes that equals big plays. Sometimes that equals touchdowns that be given up. We saw Marlon Humphrey get picked on early last week by uh, Tannehill and A.J. Brown. And for whatever reason, they decided to to get back away from that and pound Derrick Henry into the line for 2.2 yards per carry repeatedly over and over again um which you know again we've seen some of these coaches make just head scratching decisions time and time again but uh marlon humphrey another guy that um you know teams have attacked these guys have seen some of the most amount of targets so far this year because i think teams do look into this thing and say okay yeah they're going to make some plays but as aggressive as they are we're also going to get some back from from these guys as well josh allen as well equipped as anybody to try and take advantage of all that. How do you see this pass game matching up with this uh, with this really talented, but again, uh, super aggressive secondary for the Ravens? I can't wait to watch this. Uh, this you know, the Ravens blitz more than any team in the NFL and rely on these corners, like you said, to make plays. It's a very high variance defense facing off against a very high variance Josh Allen passing offense. If this was 2019 Josh Allen, this would greatly favor the Ravens. Like the Baltimore came in here last year as six and a half point road favorites and covered. Uh, but this is a wiser, more developed Josh Allen who has shredded very similar defenses to the Ravens this year. The Steelers, Dolphins twice. Both those teams bring heavy blitzes from a lot of angles. And Brian Dable has put Allen in position to succeed against those defenses and he thrived. So it'll be very interesting, interesting to see if Allen can do that again here Um, on the other side of the ball, though, this is a pretty good matchup for Baltimore offensively. Um, You know, the bills funnel everything to the middle of the field where these linebackers really struggle covering and the bills don't get any, any leverage up front in the run game either. Look at the PFF grades on some of these bills, players in the middle of the field at Oliver 47 Edmonds 47, Milano 55. These guys have been terrible this year. And like I said, this is where Baltimore really feasts on defenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy like Mark Andrews specifically, uh, you know, and you know, the rushing offense has really found its groove over the past two months. And he, the Bills just continue to struggle against the run and against tight ends. So, I mean, if the Ravens can keep the Bills off the field, the Bills offense off the field and out of rhythm, they can win this football game. And I think, I, I mean, I capped this game at one. I think, you know, now that's moved to three. I think this is an auto bet for me. If, if I can get three right now, uh, that's definitely where I'm leaving, leaning with the Ravens getting, getting the points. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll skip ahead here because it was a topic that you just hit on. Uh, Mark Andrews over 54 and a half receiving yards was one of the very first uh, bets I put into my account. As soon as that hit, um, like you said, no matter what the game script is in this situation, Mark Andrews is going to be a very major factor in this game, right? Like whether they're playing from ahead, they're still going to have to use him to continue and keep these drives going. And whether they're playing from behind, he's still going to own the middle of the field. Like you mentioned, Brett, I mean, like the, the one thing about this defense was we saw, I mean, they were able to move the ball at will last week, Phillip Rivers to like nine different tight ends. I don't know how many tight ends the Colts carry, but it seemed like it was a new tight end every goddamn play catching, catching a ball. Like, I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. So 16, Uh, Yeah, 16 targets, 14 completions to tight ends last week. Yeah, so uh, Mark Andrews over 54 and a half yards was one of the very first plays I put into my account. Um, if it's still available, out, it is available at DraftKings. It's uh, it's juiced right now, but you could look around. I'm sure it's available at one of the other books. It's not juiced as heavily, but I still love that price. Um, so, Brad, you know, the other big question here outside of the Bills pass offense versus the secondary for the Ravens is going to be the Ravens rush offense versus the Bills rush defense we saw the Ravens go for 236 yards on the ground last week we've seen this Ravens team basically own these um these bad run defenses over the past month and a half of the of the season you know I mean they were basically established that kind of what they want to do that old Ravens way that we saw last year as well and and teams were not able to uh to defend it basically the emergence of jk dobbins going ahead and just making mark ingram inactive because he's just kind of there now like giving that more explosive look here and then you have the power guy more in the gus edwards whenever they need that hard two or three yards and so um 
what do we see here in this Ravens rush offense versus this Bills rush defense? Um, I think I think it's not as bad as it looks on paper. Um, obviously, you know, you, as you kind of laid out, you've got this 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 best rush offense in the league against a Bills run defense, which is second worst in in EPA allowed. So it looks bad, but I think that's kind of a choice. Um, the Bills put. They, they play light boxes, um, kind of, I think, eighth most in the league there. So they, they want you to run because they know on the other side they're going to score 30 points. They want you to run for four and a half yards a clip instead of passing for seven and a half. Um, and so I think they can they can change that, essentially. They're, they're not going to leave six in the box against Lamar because I don't think they're worried about being beat by the wide receivers. I think Trey White can take out Hollywood Brown. I do, I do agree Mark Andrews is a threat, but then I think they can commit numbers to the middle of the field um, to, to clog it up and to stop the run. Um, Brett mentioned that game last year where the, the, the Ravens did cover, but they only, they only got 257 total yards at 4.4 yards a clip. So we know the Bills know how to stop this. I mean, that was, that was when the Ravens had a much better offensive line when they're in, you know, absolute God mode, stomping everyone by 50 points and they they put up 250 yards. So Mm -hmm. I do think, I do think coaching is key against Lamar, like, because he's he's such a unique talent and this offense is so unique that it's not, can you stop the run? Like, can you stop, you know, the Titans running? Cause that's, that's a normal, it's, it's a completely different offense. And I think coaching matters more. And I think Sean McDermott is a coaching, you know, he's one of the best defensive coaches in the league. So I, I do think they can keep them to kind of 20 as the, as the Titans did last week. Um, and then I, I do like, I do like the matchup for the bills. Um, I think as Brett said, the Ravens, they're mm. most, they blitz the most in the league and they play, like the most man heavy in the league. Um, but Josh Allen is A, superb against man, and B, superb against the Blitz. Um, I've got the numbers here, one sec. Uh, Josh Allen, the league's best quarterback against man coverage, according to Sports Info Solutions, and third in EPA per snap against the Blitz. So the, if the Ravens do what they usually do, there's a good chance they get toasted. Uh, the, the Bills love that double move as well. Um, you know, as you said, the, the cornerbacks are aggressive. They like to jump routes. Mm. The Bills love to throw little you know, sluggo, little pump fake and go. So there, there could be some big plays on the outside for them. Um, yeah, so I, I think if 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 they play the way they usually do, I think the Bills can have some luck. Um, I, but then I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens also saw that and played a lot of zone, a bit like the Colts did, and said, go up and down the field against us in 12 plays and be patient. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's probably the smarter way to play this and... You know, I, th- I think Wink Martindale is a, is a smart coach, so maybe they change it up completely, which is, which is the risk of, of, of you know, we, we don't know what we don't know here. Yeah, for what we do know, um, it's just for me, when you play an offensive style like the Ravens play, you basically have to play perfect, right? And, and that's the thing is against a team like the Bills, because... Yeah, these long, you know, these running methodical drives that, that that Lamar and them do. I mean, you know, we assume Lamar will break one big run. He does every single game. So they'll they'll probably get a, a nice huge chunk play at least once or twice this game. But typically they're OK with, you know, marching the ball down the field, methodical drives, stuff like that. Well, the problem is, is when you get to these drives and you've done all this stuff about you know, milk in the clock and do all say if, if it ends up in a field goal or it ends up in no points, the, the bills are going to score. Like you can't, you basically have to hit every single time when you play like the Ravens play. Right. And then when you have a, an offense that can move the ball as quickly as the bills do, you don't have to play necessarily perfectly because the next time you get the ball, you can still quick strike. You can still be back in the game. If you happen to fall down, you can still get ahead in the game really quickly. You know, if the game is in situation neutral and, and so, you know, just the style of play here, I know everybody's all over the Ravens this week. Um, call me square. Call me whatever in the hell you want to call me. I don't really care. I, I like the Bills a lot in, in this game. I think that the uh, I think the matchup here with the corners. Yeah, they're going to win some battles. They might even pick Allen, you know, a time or two in this game. But they're also going to lose some big plays. And Steph Diggs is going to have some huge gains here. Gabriel Davis, John Brown, and then the chain mover and Cole Beasley underneath whenever they need to. To, to get some, uh, you know, six or seven yards or something like that. I, I like the Bills a lot in this scenario. I like, uh, I, I like them, you know, I, I, if you want to play the money line, you know, you can do that if you're, if you're a little worried about the, the spread whatsoever. But uh, 
I think the Bills, I think they could end up actually even rolling in this game, if that sounds, and Brett not trying to get you too too excited over there, but uh, I, I do. I, I think there's a chance they could they could end up rolling in this game if things go a little bit south for this Ravens team. I do hope you're right. Uh, I would obviously rather them advance than win my bet, but I, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 do, I do think the Ravens are going to be able to keep this close. So yeah, I, I, I still, I mean, is this one in your account already? Is it, it's getting closer to three? Um, so I, so I'll tell you how I played this game and this isn't, you know, look, I'm an unconventional better. You guys been watching this podcast long enough and you guys been listening to this stuff long enough. You know, I, I, it's an unconventional, but I, I think that this is a, this is a touchdown or less game to me. And so I have a ticket. I have a, I have a Packers Ravens teaser where I have the Packers down to one and the Ravens up to eight and a half. And then I also have a money line bet on the, on the bills. You just said the bills could roll. So, yeah, but I already have this. <laughs> listen, I already had this teaser leg in, in my uh, in my account here. I mean, I, I I'm saying the more likely scenario of the Ravens rolling the Bills, or the Bills rolling the Ravens. It would be the Bills rolling the Ravens as opposed to to the other way around. And so, yeah, so I have a I have a teaser leg of the Ravens at plus eight and a half. And then I also have a money line bet on the uh on the bills. And so I think the bills win the game. I think the bills bills win the game somewhere in that touchdown range. But um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm sitting with this one again. Oh, and the Mark Andrews, of course. And, and guys, again, that is available at DraftKings. There's some, you know, the juice is there, but it's not horrible yet. So try and get to it. I believe that, you know, no, under any game circumstance that you're going to see Mark Andrews have a, have a pretty good time out there. So something to think about there as well. On to the Sunday games, guys. Uh, this one, you're not going to get this big, long diatribe from me on this one. It is uh, the Cleveland Browns, Kansas City Chiefs. We are sitting as a 10 right now, 57, 57 and a half on your total. The Chiefs coming off a bye, as we know. Of course, the Browns, as we alluded to at the top of the show, coming off of that pretty easy win over the Steelers where they got spotted 28 points early in the game. Um, Brad, the thing that everyone's been talking about all week long is... This Chiefs team doesn't blow anybody out. 10 points is too much because they can't do it. If just look back at their last X amount of games, they can't win any games by a bunch of points, yada, yada, yada. So that's been every, everything that everyone's been talking about all week whenever there's been any sort of analysis on this game. Um, one thing has not changed. It is still Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and those uh, supporting cast going up against a, a really, really terrible secondary uh, for the Browns out there. Now, that being said, the Chiefs have played some pretty bad teams and have not been able to go out there and just completely, uh, you know, cut the throat of the team. Um, what do you think here? 10 points in favor of the Chiefs, 57 on the total. Um, yes. Yeah. So again, it's another, <laughs> there's a lot of unknowns and it's starting with what you said there. Do we assume the Chiefs can turn it on when they want to, um, you know, like they did last year? And I think yes, to an extent, I think mm. yes, Andy Reid will have, he will have good plays, especially in the red zone in his back pocket. I think, no, they're not the same team from last year. A, the offensive line is worse. Um, it's going to be Mike Remmers at right tackle here um, instead of Mitchell Schwartz, who's a great player. There's no Osemele with the right guard. He, he was gone earlier in the season. And I think over the last month of the season when Mahomes was playing or over his last four games, he was under pressure like 50% of the time. So that could be a problem here against Miles Garrett, um, particularly. He, he, he's got to have a huge game for them to win. Um, and if he doesn't have a huge game, Mahomes is going to torch these guys downfield. They're 29th in DVOA against deep passes, 29th in DVOA against the tight end. So, so it, you know, that's Tyreek and Kelsey just murdering you. Um, one stat I saw this week um, about the Browns' defense, how bad they are. Um, if you exclude the three bad weather games, they're giving up 3.2 points per drive, second worst in the NFL. Um, and that's, that's basically turning every team they play into the Green Bay Packers. Um well, the, the Chiefs are already the Green Bay Packers, so I think I think they'd probably murder them if they can just double team Garrett and keep him out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it's what can the Browns do on offense? Um, and I, I do quite like their chances, to be honest. You know, again, I go over the last six weeks of the season, 
the Chiefs are down there in uh, 29th in defensive DVOA. I think that's probably one of the reasons they've not been covering is people getting in the back door. Um, and it's, I think it's probably up, up front. The Frank Clark has kind of gone missing. Um, so I think the Browns' offensive line is going to dominate this game. I think they can, you know, they, they've got the all-pro guards inside it in Betonio and um, what's his name, Wyatt, Wyatt Teller. So I think they nullify the only real menace up front on Kansas City, which is Chris Jones inside. Um, so I think they can they can move the ball very well. I think if they get that run game going, they've got the play action. Um, so I, I can see both teams going up and down the field, to be honest. Now, the line currently reflects that at 57.5, doesn't it? Um, so... I, I, I would, I would, I would wait personally and see if we can get it back below the fifty-seven. Um, because I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be money betting the under in an outdoor playoff game at fifty-seven. Um, you know, there, there, there will be money for the under at some point, I would guess. So uh, about that offensive line, and, and you know, things could certainly change. Uh, we did have a, a DNP on Thursday by Jack Conklin. We had a limited practice by Wyatt Teller on Thursday as well. So something to monitor there for this Browns team that again, actually had a, a very, 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 you know, highly rated offensive line um, all year long, not only in, in run, run blocking, but also in pass blocking as well. But uh, you know, if you're, if you're down a couple of those key pieces, it certainly could change our opinion. I think on, on this in that Brett, I mean uh, you know, 10 points, this was a, I, I like to, you know, typically even have just fun bets. Like even if it's not like a serious bet on all the games that are happening for a week, but I can't get, a, I can't get myself to get anything in my account on this game. Like I, I don't want to be holding a Browns ticket whenever the, whenever the chiefs decide to, you know, finally go off for the 40, 49 point game that they're inevitably kind of seems like they're just bottling up or whatever. And then at the same time, I don't want to be holding a chief's ticket when I'm sitting here going like all the evidence points to, okay, the Browns should be able to run the ball fairly efficiently and, and just kind of bleed the clock and keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline and not allow them to, to have the ball a ton and all that. And like, so I don't know, it's, this is the most confusing game to me. And you know, with that, it probably is just a game I'm going to sit back and watch. Yeah, I mean, I I don't touch chief spreads because a lot of the, a lot of the time it's a question of do they do they care about uh, blowing teams out. Yeah, this the same because in a lot of these games, yeah, because in a lot of these games where people go back and look at they're looking at the final score and they're saying like, well, they only won by four, they only won by seven. Like in all those games, they're up by like seventeen at some point in the game, you know. Right. And it's just like then they just don't and then they just don't keep on with with what they're doing. Yeah, that was like the quietest one lo- one lost season I've ever seen. Because like <laughs> they just they, did, they didn't blow anybody out in in the in the box score. But to say they can't do it is crazy because we've seen them do it in the mm. past, and now you got Mahomes against this secondary we haven't really seen Mahomes unleash greatness on a bad secondary in a while so you might say he's due here I mean we don't we don't believe in due but I mean this mm. would be a great spot for him to to, to show it against uh, a team in the divisional round of the playoffs certainly if the Chiefs if the Chiefs jump out to an early lead uh, this one could get ugly because the Browns aren't really yeah. built to play from behind this is a team that ranks 29th in pass play percentage they run the football and uh, they've won games by running the football this year, but they could find a lot of success running the football in this game. If they do, you know, if Conklin and, and Teller do play on our end and are right uh, on, on Sunday, I mean, Casey 31st and run defense, defense DVOA 26 and the run stop win rate. They're terrible uh, mm. against the run. Some of that might be what Brad was talking about before. Like these good offenses don't care about, teams running against them they 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 welcome it that could be part right. of it for sure and that's how this KC team is built they're built to stop the pass um but you know if if the chiefs do fall into a spot where they're behind i think the browns could be fine here running the football and, and kind of playing at their tempo and and you know keeping Mahomes off the field i think that's that's a spot where the browns could find success i do think KC wins this game but 10 points is a, it's a lot of points uh, for a team that really hasn't shown a willingness or, you know, propensity to, to blow teams out. And there are matchups here that favor that favor the Browns. I think both both offenses are really have plus advantages here. And I think that's why we're seeing a 57 point total. But I kind of like the over because I don't see either team really getting a whole lot of stops here. 
Yeah, I um I immediately since I didn't look at the since I didn't look at you know the the side really in this one I was trying to look okay is there any props that look uh, appealing to me and I think for me uh, the one thing here is you know I, I how much success they're going to have I guess I don't really know but I know they're going to try like hell with Nick Chubb running the ball. Um, you know, so if you think that they do have success, you know, uh, getting this ball moving on the ground, I mean, you're finding Nick Chubb props in the 65, 66, 67 range as far as rushing yards go. And so if you think that the Browns, and this is just betting how you think a game's going to go, like we always say, correlate your props to how you think a game's going to play out. Like the the only way the Browns have success in this game. And if you think the Browns keep it close, they're going to have to have success on the ground. Like none of us think Baker's going out to throw for three thirty in this game. Like that's not how we see the, the path to success for, for the Browns. Right. And so it would be a path to success in, in having some success on the ground. And so just, you know, I would look at those rushing props. If that's how you think that, uh, you know, this game could go, if you believe that the Browns do keep it close and, and are able to move the ball up and down the field on the ground and are able to score some points, then, uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, both of those guys going to have big games. And so uh, would correlate that to to that. Brad, before we get out of here, do you, do you have anything in your account on this game? And, and if not, is do you think there'll be anything there or is this more a, a sit back and watch? Um, I do not currently. I'm looking A at that over that we talked about. Probably if it gets to 56 and a half, I would, I would bet that. Um, possibly at the Browns plus 10 is, is definitely the side I would look at. And the last thing I wanted to mention was potential rust. So obviously the Chiefs rested in week 17. So they've not, you know, the starters, the key players here haven't played a meaningful game for going to be three weeks or so. Um, and historically, I think I think um, Clev TA over at Sharp Football Analysis, he went back and found the last six teams that did this in the last 10 years or so. And none of them covered as a favourite um, because I think, you know, the theory is you're rusty, you've not played you've not played at this elite competition level for, for three, four weeks and you're, you're, you're playing a team that's played six days ago. Um, so there, there's a chance, uh, uh, you know, the Chiefs, they could come out flat. They did it all three playoff games last year. I think they went three and out on the first drive. Um, so there, there, there is a chance that the Browns come out and get themselves another 7-14-0 lead. Um, and I think that plays into the over as well a bit like we saw last week. If, if the Browns can play downhill, as it were, run the ball, play action, and then just force the Chiefs to go 90% pass against that secondary, then we could get another 90-point game like last week. So um, uh, an in-play over if, if the Browns get ahead as well might be uh, well worth a look. And our final game on Sunday, guys, the Bucks and the Saints may be uh, the game I'm most excited about, uh, not because I'm a Louisiana dude and a Saints fan, but because I think this game has the most, like just the most back and forth, you know, strength on strength on strength on strength on strength uh, that we're looking at really in the entire slate here. Um Guys, when we take a look, I mean, uh, Brett, I'll start with you, but it's a three point game right now in favor of the Saints. It is a 52 total um, good offense for the Bucks, good defense for the Bucks, good offense for the Saints, good defense for the Saints. Um, I think the only way that you would try to start to decipher this is not much of a run game from the Bucks. So there is a little bit of a a little bit of a predictability factor with them and the fact that they're going to just, you know, be throwing the majority of the time. They don't uh, find success very often on the ground where the Saints are a little bit more balanced, of course, with Kamara. But that being said, Latavius Murray is banged up, right? And so that's been a really big one-two punch for them is is being able to go to Latavius Murray when they need to and, and Alvin Kamara kind of coming in in the, the main spots. And it looks like Latavius Murray, is if he does go, is, it, is going to be banged up regardless if he does go. Um, you know, the more I dug into this Bucks offense, Brad, I mean, I think you and I talked about this on the podcast on Monday. It's just I just couldn't believe how good this offense was all year long. It just was happening right under my nose, I guess. It just was I just wasn't paying attention to it. Maybe I was just still biased with this whole Brady's wash thing and and, and and whatever. But I think he proved that he was not. I think this offense proved that he was not. As I mentioned at the top of the show, nobody threw downfield at a higher rate of 20 plus yards in the entire league than Tom 
Brady. I mean, like any all these quarterbacks we're talking about, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, we're talking about all these, you know, Josh Allen and all this stuff. No, it was Tom Brady who threw at the highest rate of 20 plus yards down the field on the season. And so, um, like I said, just uh, if you're a football fan, it's probably a game you're super psyched about. Both teams peaking at the right time, strength on strength on strength on strength. Um, pretty, uh, pretty fun game here to, to close out the weekend. Yeah, it is. And a, a man, I, I just, I love what the bucks are doing right now, especially on offense. And a lot of their successes happened here towards the end of the year after the bye week. The one of the concerns coming into the season with the Bucks, at least for me, was chemistry. Like that's what Tom Brady's thrived on over his career with his wideouts in New England. Timing, you know, harmony on these routes, being able to read where his receivers are going to be. And it took them a while to find that here in Tampa without the the you know, the offseason, the preseason. They just didn't have any time to to work together. And now we're we're into the playoffs. They've had a lot of time to do that. They've added Antonio Brown into the mix. Obviously, a huge weapon who. Again, didn't have a whole lot of time with Brady uh, to work during the season, but they've had more reps and, and you know, more routes uh, to get in sync. And we're seeing just how good this offense can be with Brady and these weapons. Uh, since week 14, this offense has climbed from sixth in total offense DVOA. They're number three now. Like they're, they're this is an elite offense now. Uh, I, I just think I think Tampa Bay is a better team right now. And and, you know, you can ignore what happened in week one when these two teams met. You can ignore that weird Monday night football game where uh, Tampa Bay got wrecked. Uh, this is just a very different Bucks offense. And I, I think I, I think there are there are a couple ways I'm going to play this. I'm going to play the number. Certainly would rather have three and a half. I missed my opportunity there, I think, although I may get back to three and a half. Um, but I, I like the Bucks on, on the money line here, too. I think the Bucks could definitely win this football game. So, Brad, I uh, there was a shop here in Vegas that opened this game at four and a half. And so I stuck a bucks four and a half in my account. And the hope for me was this thing was going to run the other way. It did. Um, and so I, I got it all the way to three. I would really like to get a Saints two and a half in my account and just be able to sit back on that three and the four and uh, not really have to worry about this game. I don't know if it's going to get there. I think if anything... Uh, maybe the Saints get a little bit of money here, but uh, we do sit at the flat three right now, a 52 total. Um, what are you leaning towards or what do you have in your account on this one? Um, I've got nothing at all in terms of bets yet. I would guess the line would go back up rather than down towards the Saints. I think you might get three and a half mm-hmm. again before two and a half. Just, I think, again, if you, if you model this out, it looks like it ends, it, the, the Saints just, you know, this year they've been the better team, and I think it, you know, you model this, it would go three and a half first. Um, I'm not involved because, yeah, as you guys said, the Bucks have transformed that offense. You know, they've they've got on the right page. Um, it's more twelve personnel. It's more motion before the snap. It's more play action, and you know, it's worked second best offense since since that week ten loss by EPA per play. But the Achilles heel, you know, Brady is, is pressure. He's 31st in, in QBR when pressured this year. And it's been that way for a couple of years just because of his age, you would imagine. Um, now he's missing his right guard here, uh, Alex Kappa. Um, and he will be replaced by Aaron Stinney, a third year undrafted free agent with 46 regular season snaps. Now the Saints are also third in pressure rate defensively so there could be you know you would imagine they'll be um stunting um what's his name Cameron Jordan they'll be stunting him inside directly into this this gap right in Brady's face and I think that that they could fall apart if you know that they could get pressure and, and mm-hmm. force force all sorts from there so that's my concern for the buck side of it um when the Saints have the ball I think they're they're probably I think they're going to move the ball I think the bucks are aggressive defensively they gamble they can be moved you know they'll, they'll bite on on play action they'll bite on fakes they'll they'll jump screens well, I think we saw that in that Monday night game where they were jumping screens and then just getting burnt behind it so I think that Sean Payton is, is probably good enough to outsmart the Bucks defense and, and get get the Saints the points so I would lean Saints minus three um, but I'm not involved yet just because of how much the Bucks have improved yeah, I, I my my biggest thought here, and I can't believe I'm saying this because as many rants as I've gone on, you know, against this deal. But so Taysom Hill, two DNPs in a row, right? Wednesday and Thursday. 
Latavius Murray, a couple of DMPs again uh, as well. Um, so the one thing they do, the one thing that Taysom Hill has done, and as much as I have screamed from a mountaintop, what in the hell are you doing, Sean Payton, continuing to put Taysom Hill into the into the game? At least now they're just putting him in as essentially, okay, we're going to get an extra offensive player against your defense. And they're just using him as kind of like Tim, like in the Tim Tebow type, you know, role where they need three or four yards. They just line him up. You know, he's going to run the ball, but they have the, they have a, 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 a running back that can block for him. And, you know, that's what they've been using Taysom Hill with, uh, you know, kind of here recently. Well, you know, taking that dynamic out and then if Latavius Murray isn't there either, like having that guy that can pick up those short yardage first downs and having that guy that can kind of keep continue to move the chains uh, is something to me. I don't know how much it is, but it's something to me anyway. So I'm going to really, really, really pay attention to the injury report as it comes out on Friday to see what the Latavius Murray Taysom Hill situation is for the Saints. And if they're, you know, looks like they're going to be able to go or not, how many of those guys are going to be able to go. But, um, you know, like I said, I've got a plus four and a half in my account on the Bucks. I think this smell and this is the biggest cop out answer to anything on the face of the planet. But like this just reeks of a field goal game, like one way or the other, like whoever has the ball last is like kicking the field goal to win the game. It just I, I don't see either one of these teams running out on the other one. I don't see either one of these teams having a significant advantage in really any aspect of the game, you know, other than, like I said, the, the Bucks run game, I guess is pretty weak in comparatively to, to what's going on from the Saints side of things. And, and that maybe could play a role later on in the game if they get too predictable or something. But, um, the way that they found out how to utilize Antonio Brown, the way that they use those two receivers, listen, they did that last week, guys, and Chris Godwin had his worst game he's ever had as a pro. Like, that's not going to happen again. The dude dropped five friggin' passes in the same game. He had six recorded drops in his career, and he dropped five ga- five balls in the same game. I mean, like, that's just not going to happen again. So, if anything, this offense is even more efficient this week than what we saw last week, which is still pretty damn efficient. So, um, it's a real, real, real tough game for me. I guess the reason I took the Bucks is like, if you're going to give me any points in this game and a game that I think is going to be tooth and nail right down to the very end, I'll just take the points, right? I like, I'll just take the points with either team. Had it been four and a half for the Saints, I'd have taken four and a half for the Saints. It's four and a half for the Bucks. I'll take four and a half for the Bucks in this thing. So, um, but super excited about this game and how this could all play out. I guess the question here before we leave, I did want to ask like, you know, we are talking two really good defenses here, and as efficient as the offenses have been, let's you know we 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 are talking two really good defenses as well. A total of fifty-two points, Brad. Um, a little high. I mean, it's above the fifty-one. You know, I mean, the fifty-one where you're getting like the thirty-one twenty, the twenty-seven twenty-four, all that. Like, it's 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 at fifty-two right now. A little high. Or you think it's you think it's right? Uh. Possibly a touch. I think the Saints might be a good under team, given how slow they play, how much they run the ball, and then the pressure we we might expect them to get inside on uh, on the Bucks here. So would probably lean under fifty two. Wouldn't be surprised to see it drop a half point or so, but uh, not involved personally. And Brett, you're going to be holding out to try to get a, a hook. Is that what we're? Uh, is that how we're kind of playing this game right now? I like the Bucks money line too. As, and as as far as the uh, the total goes, I mean, I can always make a case for the Saints under the same the same rules apply as last week, and that was just the easiest under ever. Um, you know, they don't they don't go for anything downfield. They they run the football. That might change this week if they don't have the the two key pieces in that running game. Yeah. But I, I do like the Bucks to win this game, and if that happens, I I think the proper correlation is the over. This is an offense that throws the ball downfield to playmakers who can kind of break a game open. And that's right. what Tampa's going to need to do uh, to win this football game. Yeah. Force New Passing to play prop of Tom Brady is at three oh five and a half. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's like if if that's the if that's the path to victory for them, then yeah, yeah, like you said, the correlated play would be the over. Yeah, definitely, and yeah, that that leads to more plays and you know at a higher chance in an over if if New Orleans is is forced to play catch up a little bit. So uh, that's that's kind of the correlation I see there. I'm not going to have a play on the total, but uh, that that's what I would bet if if I were to take a side. 
Guys, thanks for uh, joining us here. This has been, you know, look, these games, super, super exciting from all aspects. I mean, listen, if it wasn't for gambling, maybe a couple of them wouldn't be quite as exciting, but that's the thing. Can the Rams come in the back door? Can the can the Browns keep it close enough against this high-powered Chiefs team? You know, what are we looking at in this kind of, you know, completely different clash of the Ravens run game against the Bills pass game? And then, of course, the most evenly matched up game of the week as far as strength and weaknesses in the Bucks and the Saints. So all kinds of things to be looking for here um, this week. And um, really, really, uh, really good betting week. Very interesting betting week as well. So um, be sure and check out all of the written work over at the lines and play picks as well. If you're uh, watching this on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We do appreciate you watching. If you're not, go ahead and catch this over at youtube.com slash play picks and give us a follow over there as well. If you want to follow Brad on Twitter at Brad Allen NFL, if you want to follow Brett at Brett Colson, you want to follow me at Matt Brown M2. For Brad, for Brett, talk to you guys next week. <laughs>